Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Brain Fart. If you are new, hi, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you're coming back, welcome back, guys. Happy happy to have you here. Uh, today is the last day of Disability Pride Month. I actually thought that it would already be August by the time I released this, but I forgot that this Friday was the last day of July. So there, we still we still made another one in. Um, obviously it doesn't need to be the end. It is just the designated month for disability pride. So we can still be pride. We can still have pride. I was going to say we could still be prideful, but that sounded, um, that sounded like it had a negative connotation and I don't, I didn't want it to have that. So we can still have pride for our disabilities and for our friends and family members and people in our lives who do or just people in general and yeah that's that so I hope you will continue and so will I. I've really enjoyed this mini series I've kind of been working on that has been talking about ableism because not only am I giving you guys some information but I feel like I have learned so much from this. I've learned a whole lot. And I know this probably, I don't know, this isn't the end of the series, obviously, but I'm not quite sure what the next topic is going to be, whether it's going to be an ableism or something else to do with disability. I don't know. It remains to be seen. So next, in two weeks, the episode will be kind of a, (laughs) kind of a surprise for you and for me. So this has been a very large topic to tackle, and I've really only skimmed the surface of it, so I don't expect us all to be pros or um, have the most knowledge on this subject, because I certainly don't. And I know I still have a lot of learning and things to do, but I'm glad that I could at least skim the surface in starting to talk about it, at least on my channel and on my, I guess, quote-unquote, platform. But today I am finally getting to a topic that I have been alluding to in past episodes, and that is the intersection of racism and ableism. Obviously, I can only speak from experience on one of these aspects. Uh, I I think you know which one. So I will not claim to know what racism is like on a receiving end, but I can talk about my experience with ableism as well as bring up points and provide you all information and resources about its intersection with racism. I have a lot of good sources this episode. I not that's not on me. That's not like wow, I've done a really good job sourcing this information. No, I am just saying there's a lot of really helpful, informative resources out there for you to read and I will talk about I believe two or three, three, two, three, something like that on today's episode. So firstly, I just kind of want to give some basic disability statistics. I actually came across this post on Instagram after my partner Martin sent it to me. Um, And it was, it was an extremely concise and helpful tool to understand ableism a bit more and to see some real statistics. I ended up sharing it to my story on Instagram. Some of you might have seen it. Uh, I know some of you don't use Instagram, so you wouldn't have seen it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it here. 
In this post that I'm going to be talking about, they source the websites uh, worldbank.org and uh, disabledworld.com and equalrightscenter.org. And that's, they have several others, but the sections I'm talking about come from those sources. So I just want to give you those options as well, other than just the Instagram handle. And so the specific post that I saw was titled Disability Discrimination. And the first, the first statistic, ooh, words, the first statistic that I've read, and that honestly was shocking to me because I guess I didn't realize how large the disability population was, but it's 20% of the world's population has a disability. And that makes it the largest minority in the world. And that's so, I never even realized But in the U.S., they are, yeah, I'm going to be talking about the U.S., sorry, that's my personal experience for all of my foreigners out there. But in the U.S., they are two times more likely to find inadequate healthcare providers' skills and facilities. They're three times more likely to be denied healthcare, and they're four times more likely to be treated poorly within the healthcare system. And I was like, whoa. So much of the population is feeling so much discrimination from the healthcare system, at least in the U.S. I don't know how it is. I vaguely know about some other healthcare systems, mainly Germany and the U.K., but otherwise, like, I just kind of have a glimpse of an idea of other healthcare symptoms, systems. So if you're from one of the other countries that listens to my podcast, please, I don't know. Tell me about your healthcare system. Maybe I'll look it up. That's interesting. But those statistics were, I mean, shocking, of course, and always a little, always hurts the heart a little bit. But this last, this last statistic, wow, statistic is the word of the day for me. Um, it, this one, I guess, didn't, it was shocking, but it also just kind of, you know, it irked me and made me mad. And It's that in the U.S., only 40% of polling centers can accommodate people with physical disabilities. And one in five registered voters has a disability. And that is so crazy to me that less than half can accommodate people with physical disabilities. And of course, there is mail-in voting. Um, But the fact that they can't physically accommodate them is an obvious show of ableism. Also, the fact that mail-in voting is not the easiest system and it doesn't always work. When I was um, in New Jersey and I was in college and I got a mail-in ballot and they ended up sending me the wrong ballot. They sent me a sample ballot and not my real ballot. And by the time I figured it out, the voting period had passed. And so I wasn't able to vote because I got a sample ballot instead of an actual ballot. So that has always irked me to no end. But can you imagine having to go through that and having those possible mistakes happen every time you want to vote because your polling center can't accommodate you? That, oh, that is crazy. Um <laughs> But so this post had a lot of good information and got me thinking about a lot of different things. And I'm not going to talk directly about every single aspect of the post um, because I've talked about it in previous episodes and we've kind of touched on those bases already. But I suggest you check it out if you have access to Instagram. It it was kind of interesting and the whole their whole uh, profile is really informative and cool. Uh, 
cool, easy way to get information. And so I wanted to just kind of give this information before I started on our, uh, I guess, main topic for today, because I think it's important to understand that discrimination when diving into the intersection of two forms of discrimination. I now have a better understanding of ableism through this kind of series and through this research, and I hope you do as well. And I hope you understand what racism is, though it is far more nuanced than I ever imagined before I went on kind of this journey and before this kind of revival, not revival, but reawakening of the civil rights movement. I don't know. I don't want to say that because I guess spotlight on the civil rights movement. That There we go. Because it really is the media focusing on it. The civil rights movement and these equal rights fighters have always been fighting, but it really has been been a spotlight on it lately. Okay. You get what I mean. So the question now is how how can these coincide? How can racism and ableism coincide? And I think to understand how these struggles are intertwined, we need we need to go back in history a bit. I read an article on the American Association of People with Disabilities by a person, a woman by the name of Isabella Cress Nash. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. And it was titled Racism and Ableism. I recommend reading it for yourself uh, along with what I tell you because per usual, she is far more eloquent than I am. And those, (laughs) those are just the facts. She writes specifically about black people in their history of disability, but I just want to remind you, like she reminds the readers in the article, that these examples span many different races. But she specifically speaks on the black experience, so I will relay her information on that. And Cress Nash brings up or brings us back to slavery and talks about how white supremacy and the foundation of slavery was built on the idea that black people were intellectually inferior and that they had certain disabilities that made them this way. And she points out that white slave owners and other, I guess, white officials of that time, white people of that time, were fabricating disabilities that could only affect the black community. So this was this was an illness only plaguing the black community. And it was basically to further their justification of slavery and to further the public's idea of black people. And that, that unfortunately, leads us back to the present with a connection that there is there is this racist assumption that people of a certain race inherit certain qualities by virtue of their race. And this is still presently seen in media. In 1991, a certain president, who was not president at that time, but who is now, was quoted saying, it's probably not his fault because laziness is a trait in blacks, end quote. This is another example of ableism being intertwined in this sort of rhetoric. This idea that someone who is lazy or that someone that doesn't contribute to society and produce capital is not worthy of good things or is less worthy of having attention and their needs being cared for. That is ableism. Not to mention just the blatant, obvious racism of that statement. (laughs) And again, it's promoting that idea that certain people are biologically inferior and therefore deserve less, which I have touched on in previous episodes. 
And honestly, that's nothing short of eugenics. And in this case, the phrase attaches this sort of white supremacist myth of biological inferiority to black people, which is the same thing that Nazis did to Jews, the LGBTQ community, LGBTQ plus community, and anyone at that time that wasn't complicit, that wasn't a complicit white person. So just, and we're just connecting things throughout history. (laughs) Uh, And people might be quick to point out that mental health and disability statistics are higher in those communities, in Black communities, but they fail to acknowledge the fact that Black people are quicker to be diagnosed with mental illnesses or other disabilities, quicker to be highly medicated, and quicker to be put into hospitals based on the racist assumption that they are, quote-unquote, dangerous or they need proper care. And this is something that Cress Nash talks about and that I didn't even realize because it just didn't even occur to me but it makes so it makes so much sense and it's frustrating that being like so blind to those things but feels better and feels like I'm on the right track knowing these things and I just want to continue to share them and there are plenty of other examples and information to be found in this article but I guess I just want to leave off talking about this article with kind of a culminating quote. I think it's in the summary section of the article. And this is to kind of tie in both the disabled and BIPOC community and talk about how kind of stemming back to what I just said, not knowing these things. And she quotes, ableism will always exist if racism exists because it is a tool of racism. The social model of disability that the disability community is embracing, by definition, includes people of color. And yet the disability community is not inclusive of the struggles of people of color. Understanding the connection between these two systems of oppression should unite the disability and people of color communities. And yet little is known about this history. And I think this serves as a reminder that both of these minorities are being oppressed. Why are we not helping and including these overlapping minorities in our fight? Angela Davis talks about finding the most affected people in these communities. For, I don't know, for example, um, a disabled trans woman of color. There. Someone who spans several minorities. And seeing the intersection and the effects these discriminations have on these people. She... She talks about, I think I watched this in the in a documentary, and I think it's also in one of her books, but she talks about how during kind of the era of Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and that particular civil rights movement, Black women were often pressured to choose a cause. So either stand up for their race or their gender. <clears throat> this cannot be the way we fight oppressors. <laughs> People shouldn't have to pick and choose which minority they want to fight with on any given day. These communities should be working together to fight the system that is oppressing them all. So it shouldn't be, you have to pick one or the other. And that was, that's what was kind of happening at the time. And that's why I think remembering intersection is so important. And she says, Angela Davis, she says, Why can we not recognize that if we want to eradicate gender violence from our world, we have to address the conditions surrounding those who are most subject to violence? So that she's kind of talking, she was talking about gender violence in that area. But I think 
that can directly you can directly put in the words racism or ableism or any of those minorities or just oppression in general and you'll get kind of the same answer and that the we have to address the conditions surrounding those who are most subject to violence or those who are most subject to oppression or discrimination and that goes back that ties back to the <laughs> to the people who are most affected and there you have it that is how and why racism racism and ableism intersect they all intersect all of these are intersecting and people are spanning different minorities and different things and I don't know, people, you don't have to be put into a box. You don't have to be shoved into one specific box and have that define you. People are more than that. And I guess, I guess that's it for this episode. I hope that made sense because I started to get a little um, excited, uh, passionate, and uh, intense about that that subject. And I know, I know it was another intense episode. And I know these episodes have been a little different from what I've been doing lately but I think these are topics that are important and and they are dense and they span centuries so it's not like I will single-handedly solve or even unfold it in I don't know what how long is this episode currently 19 minutes 20 minutes um I will not solve it in a 20-minute episode and like I said I can only hope that it will shed some light or some more, not light, but some more light on these topics, as well as continue to teach me because I'm still learning. I'm still making my way and figuring it out and realizing that what I've been taught might not be the truth. And I think that's important to understand. And I hope you find these interesting. Please let me know if you do. I know, I like I said, I know it's a little different from regular content I put out. Maybe Less so of the humor, more so of the health in that respect. Um, but I've been enjoying it to the extent that, I guess, learning about oppression can be enjoyable. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I have been enjoying learning these th- these things and sharing them with you. I'm going to figure out a way I can get these resources to you in the easiest way possible, for you, or the easiest way for you to access them. Um, yeah, so I'll think on that and then do it. And if you ever have any questions or concerns, or if I misspoke, I'm talking about a lot of intense things and about a subject that I am not directly affected by, or at least one of them. So I think, I think I will make mistakes and I might misspeak. And if you want to correct me or want to give me some more information or give me some more helpful tips that I can go back and correct myself on, like, please, please feel free to reach out to me. And you can email me at brainfartpodcast at gmail.com. Or you could even direct message or message me on Instagram or Facebook at brainfartpodcast. I will try to respond as quickly as I possibly can. And usually I'm pretty quick. And yeah, I think, I think that's, Good. I think I will reiterate that I'm not an expert on these topics, but I implore you to do your own research and find out more, more, find out more about these topics. Of course, this is a lot of my perspective and how I read it. And now I'm 
regurgitating it to you. So obviously I'm going to have a different way of telling the story than other people. And yeah, I encourage you to hear all the different perspectives and so many different perspectives. And I think that's how we learn and grow as a society and as a society. Um, But yeah, figuring it out together. And I think that's what this community is all about, figuring it out together. So with that, I will leave you. I will talk to you in two weeks. I hope you have a wonderful whatever time it is, wherever you are, and I will talk to you next week. Or no, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Yes. (laughs) Bye.